The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of StillCurtain.com. Joining me, as always, is Shane Kubis, contributor for Still Curtain. This is the Steelers OTA edition here, Shane. And yeah. we can't learn a lot from OTAs, but we do have some notes that we want to get to here and some interesting tidbits. Uh, first, let's talk about some of the things that were happening uh, over this past week since our last show. Uh, let's start with Ben Roethlisberger's comments to Kenny Pickett. So Ben has... Uh, Pickett on his football and podcast. He has him over in his basement, chatting football, all kinds of stuff. And then he says something to Pickett that kind of caught people off guard a little bit. I almost too candid. I mean, I kind of respect Ben for for being able to, to openly share his thoughts, and I think that Pickett was okay with it. Uh, but Ben basically said that he didn't believe in Pickett at first, and he didn't want to root for him. And it wasn't until later on that he's like, "All right, I think this guy can be a franchise quarterback." Uh, and I'm wearing your Jersey We're we're rocking with you and it, I'm, I'm in your corner now. And so, but it didn't start off that way. And we kind of got that impression a little bit early on. The two didn't have much of a relationship. It sounded like, uh, last year when Pickett first started. So what, how do you feel about the remarks that Ben made to Pickett? It's not like he's saying anything behind his back, but some people were already slamming Ben for the comments that he made saying like, this is unnecessary. Keep that stuff to yourself. What is your opinion on that? So speaking of candid comments, we'll have another one later on that we'll talk about with the current player. <laughs> but uh, I do appreciate the honesty aspect. And I think what people have to understand is when you compete at the level that Ben competed at for his entire career, there's a mindset involved with that that a lot of us don't really truly appreciate or understand because we just haven't been there. It's very hard to get in that position and to have yeah. that mindset. And I think, and he touched on it, like he felt like he had something left after his last season. And when you have that feeling as a player that was at the stature that he was at, especially in Pittsburgh, but really in the NFL in mm -hmm. general, it's really hard to let that go. It's really hard to look at someone else doing the job that you did for so long and that you thought you could still do. But I think clearly he he realized that, you know, that's not the right attitude to have. You know, I can be you know helpful to this guy. I can I can root for him. I can be a part of things moving forward or I cannot be. And I think he chose the right thing by trying to get behind the guy that did ultimately replace, uh, replace him. I mean, that's what did happen ultimately. So I do respect it. I will say the entire mm -hmm. episode because I did watch it. Uh, it was a little bit awkward for a lot of it. Like I will say, like it kind of felt yeah. like not that he was taking like shots at him, but like he was trying to kind of, you know, little brother him a lot of the time, which that's, I mean, he's an older guy. It's what he does. Mm -hmm. like, it is what it is, but Kenny handled it well. And I think again, that just kind of shows who he is as a guy. So like, he didn't let it bother him. I don't think it did bother him at all to hear that. And he mm -hmm. understands as, you know, as well as he does the competitive nature there. So. 
Yeah, and a little banter back and forth between the two of them as yeah. well, where Pickett takes a jab back yeah. saying, well, yeah. I was six years old when, when you started. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i okay with it. I mean, I mean I, it might not have been the ideal situation to do that, and it, it's not no. completely necessary to, to share everything that's on your mind. Uh, but I'm glad that the air is at least kind of cleared at this yeah. point and we can kind of move past it and we can say, all right, these two maybe can have a relationship where Ben can yeah. text pick it after the game and, and this can pro progress forward. You'd like to see always like that smooth transition of passing the torch yes. from one quarterback to hopefully the next franchise quarterback. And you don't always get with that with teams. And it makes sense because Ben was there so long. He didn't feel like he, he felt like he had more left to give and the right. Steelers had already given him enough. They, they, in fact, I mean, it could have been even a year over what some yeah, of them in the facility wanted. And so uh, they were ready to move on. Um, but yeah, it's some, just some interesting comments there. But uh, let's let's talk about Marcus Golden for a minute here, Shane, because this is a player the Steelers uh, just recently had in for a visit yesterday. Um, the Steelers need help on the edge. Now their starters are fine. You got TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. It, it, that's really good outside of that concerningly poor. Like you had, yeah. uh, Malik Reed there last year who both you and I weren't a big fan of. He didn't offer a lot in that regard. Um, you brought in Nick Herbig, but this is a lot to ask of a rookie as much as I liked Herbig and I, and I hope that he can make that transition and stay on the edge. That's a huge ask for him to say, let's have you as the edge three where you're going to rotate in on the left side, on the right side, uh, spell Watt and Highsmith of, Highsmith of snaps, and we're going to entrust you in a big role. I think they need that veteran in there. Malik, or I'm sorry, I, I Marcus Golden is a guy that they've been looking at. Are you a fan of this signing? I know he's, he's an older guy at this point. What are your thoughts on him? So I will touch on the fact that you brought up uh, Herbig here. I, I think as much as I am confident watching him that he could, can be an edge in the NFL, not requiring him to be the third one in year one would yes. be ideal, right? Just I think that's the key. Yeah, you don't want him to have to be. I think he could end up filling that role reliably. But if you don't need him to, then that's even better, right? That's that's the idea behind mm -hmm. this. And I think you know, Golden's a guy who's been very productive at different times in his career. He's got three different 10-sack seasons, a lot yep. of seasons without that sack production mixed in. But I think he's always been a guy who's affected the quarterback pretty well from his spot. He has experience playing as a rush linebacker, played a lot of 3-4 systems with the Cardinals and the Giants. So that's a good scheme fit there. I do think he'd be a better bet as a third edge right now than anybody else in the roster because he does have the veteran presence there. He is He has been productive as recently as 2021. He had 11 sacks the Cardinals and last year the Cardinals were terrible and you know you could argue that's part of why he didn't have much sack production but either way I think he's at least a quality player still and would be a, an upgrade over what we've had at the third edge for really since Melvin Ingram was was cast off so yeah I think that's definitely a fair assessment and I, I liked Ingram a lot more at that stage of his career when this when the Steelers had him on the roster than I do at Golden at this stage yes, my concern yeah. here Shane is we're talking about a 32 year old pass rusher who is he, two seasons ago, I think he was, he had a really solid season. Yeah. 11 this sacks, past yeah. year. Yeah. And, in in and uh, in this past year in 20, in 2022, that sack production went down to yes. two and a half sacks, despite yeah. being a full-time starter mm -hmm. who played 781 snaps and 540 plus pass rushing snaps. The production wasn't there at all. Uh, grade wise didn't grade out particularly well. And he's a guy that didn't have size or athletic traits on his side to begin with. And so you wonder what you, what, what you're going to get at this guy going into age 32 season. Is he going to be something similar to Malik Reed? Because in terms of 
uh, physique and how they win, these guys are kind of similar. And, and remember Malik Reed, he had some production with Denver before he came to Pittsburgh, but it just did not work out at all when you're just asking him to just tee off on the quarterback. And so I think that Golden is obviously better than what Malik Reed is, even in his old age. It's just, can the Steelers do better for that, even as the backup guy, the rotational guy that comes in? Because we have to look at it in terms of TJ Watt has not been able to stay healthy for yeah. two years. In 2021, he had hip, knee, and groin recurring injury issues. Uh, and then last year, the 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 pec tear, the knee scope. So uh, you're, you're hoping for maybe a little bit more than that but in terms of scheme fits i think that he would fit right in uh it's the it's the it's the type of player that the steelers look for at the very least it's just it it, it does blow my mind at times shane because for the steelers as much as they rely on watt they don't have a good insurance policy for him they never really had and i think that's something that they need to improve if i have one one beef with the front office this year and there are very very few it's invest more into the depth of your edge because these good teams out there, the Cowboys, the Eagles, these teams are deploying at least two full rotations of talented yeah. players because they know how important it is to get pressure on the quarterback and that injuries occur there. So I, I want Steelers to do something perhaps a little bit more than that. Uh, I can live with, with uh, Marcus Golden being there as the edge three, making Herbig that fourth guy that can play special teams. I think that's at least a baseline. It gives you a, a little bit of confidence um, if Highsmith or Watt were to go down for any amount of time. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Kevin Dotson's comments here, Shane. Uh, so Stewart kicked off their OTAs just yesterday. Uh, Dotson had some interesting remarks when, when asked about uh, Isaac Siamalu and where his position is right now. And he essentially conceded and said, yeah, I'm the backup now. He's like, when you go ahead, yeah, I am paraphrasing of course, but he's like, when you go and, and, and you pay a guy this much money, he's like, now basically saying I I've got uh, kicked off the starting lineup. So uh, what do you make of his comments there? And I mean, it's not what the coaches probably want you for PR reasons to, to come out and say, uh, but what do you make of that? I think the interesting thing about this is you. So how I choose to look at it is on one end, it's kind of refreshing to hear a player just be honest because you know he would never have said yeah. that if unless it was what he actually thinks, right? Like this is not oh, something yeah. a player would say unless he's just laying it out there. But at the same, the other aspect of this is this is probably part of the reason why he's going to end up getting replaced is that mentality of saying, okay, they paid mm -hmm. this guy, so he's starting. While it's logical and it makes sense from a fan perspective, you as a player should never take that approach. Like that's not something that you should care about is how much someone else is getting paid. If that's, if he knows that his job is yeah. lost because of that, it was lost before then. Like it wouldn't matter mm -hmm. if they paid Simelo, you know, $4 million for a year to come in. If, if he felt like if that's what the situation is, then he was going to lose his job anyway, probably. And it sucks because this is a guy that I really thought had potential to become a really good offensive lineman for us. And he's shown flashes, but he hasn't put it all together yeah. really at all. Uh, especially as a run blocker, weirdly enough, for as powerful as he is, he's really been better in pass protection in his career. It It's just really strange to me to hear a player say this. And mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately, it is an indictment on him. And I think that ultimately when he is a backup this year or maybe not even on the team, depending on what we do with him, yeah. this is probably part of the reason why. Yeah, I it, this this guy's been in the doghouse before, I think, yeah. Shane. And, and there was never like a real like defined report on what happened. Right, like why or were, exactly. They yeah. were visibly frustrated with him at times. Yeah. You can see that. And that's why they buried him 
uh, last year and said, you're, you're fighting for your job. You're not, we're not giving it to you, even though there was no viable options there. Yeah, and Kendrick, Kendrick Green was, Green was not horrendous. Out, it yeah. could, couldn't hold up on one and one-on-ones or it, during the preseason or anything else. And, and they made that competition at left guard go down to the wire, even though we knew that Dotson was the better player and that he yeah. was the guy that was going to win out. The Steelers wouldn't admit that. And it makes me wonder, uh, has these, they've butted heads a little bit in the past and it's just not something that you say out loud. And it's, no. I mean, it, again, going back to the Ben comments, he's retired at this point. Yeah, he, he can, can say, say what he wants. wants it doesn't to matter. Say. <laughs> it, he's not in there in the facility. Yeah. Dotson's on this team right now, and he's potentially fighting to make a roster spot. The Steelers signed two guards in free agency. Ciamola was one of them, and Nate Herbig was the other. And so he's competing to be that primary backup guard. And when you go and make a remark like this, boy, that kind of just pushes you down a little bit, I think, in the eyes of the coaches, if you're willing to come out and say these type of things. Now, he's not wrong. I don't believe no, Shane in terms of... He's right. Because, That's the sad part. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, but when the Steelers... Say it. Yeah. Exactly. When the Steelers spend that much on a guard, we know that Ciamolu's starting. But there's no there's no contest there. But to come and voice that and to voice your frustration like that, you want to be able to hear these guys, when they're asked about this, give the right response. And it seems like Dotson rarely does. And I think that that's what gets him in the doghouse with the coaching staff. Uh, so it's, I'm interested to see how that shakes up because it, even the way that it looked prior to these comments and, and what's happening right now, it looked like he was going to be the fourth guard. Uh, yeah. If, if Herbig panned out, because again, the Steelers spent a little bit of money on, on Herbig in free agency and he's been a quality player for, for Philly and last year in the jets. And so, uh, Dotson's spot is not guaranteed. And I, he's one player that I've said kind of all along, Shane, I would not be surprised if the Steelers maybe look to ship him for a future pick swap or, or a, a late round yeah, pick or something. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that's just not really fit in as well as we had hoped. <clears throat> all right. Uh, let's talk about the NFL's new fair catch rule. Shane, this is bizarre. I don't know yeah. about this for, for those who are just uh, catching up. This just came out. Was it yesterday or I believe it was yesterday? They actually announced it. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the rule came out yesterday, fair catch rule. And that is going to allow any player uh, on any free kicks. When he kick off, uh, you can fair catch the ball anywhere inside the 25 and it'll come back out at the 25. So I'm like, Shane, what are we doing here? I mean, you, you can fair catch the ball at, at the five yard line. And the, the offense will start their possession at the 25. So before you couldn't fair catch, obviously, unless you were in the end zone and it incentivized kickers to try to kind of get some air under that ball, try to get it up right, right around the one or two so that teams are forced to return it. And then you yeah. can play good special teams and, and trying to have a good track to flip the field. You can't do that anymore because now it's like, all right, if there's any, any question, just wave your hand, go for the fair catch. And so, how do you feel this is going to affect the game? So, so my whole thing with kickoffs for a while, and I understand the NFL is trying to limit how many of these we have actual kickoff plays where something actually happens after the kick, right? And it's it's yeah. player safety, which I'm always going to be for because as much as people complain about it, I'd rather watch the players play and not see them, you know, turn into shells mm -hmm. of themselves 20 years after they play. I just not into that idea. But at some point, they're going to have to make a decision: Are you going to modify kickoffs and other special teams plays to better give players a chance to still play and make plays on that side of the ball, but not have as much injury risk, or are you going to get rid of it? Because at this point, if you're not going to allow them to do this, what they've just outlawed, basically, 
then we shouldn't be doing kickoffs. Start the ball at the 25. Yeah. Just like let's let's just stop doing this because this isn't there you're not going to have any football on those moments anymore. Like it just isn't going to happen very yeah. often. And the ones and the few times you do it's just cuz the returner thinks they see a lane and even then they might not and then it just ends up being a negative play mm-hmm. and then that kicker turner gets you know chewed out by the special teams coordinator. So yeah. it, it just is becoming a situation where you either have to modify like whether it's something like some of the other leagues are doing or you know I really like the idea of having it be a line of scrimmage situation closer to where the ball is going to be kicked so that way they're not getting all that build up speed and running into each other at high speed it's mm-hmm. more like a normal play you know something like that whatever it ends up being if you want to keep that in the game and I, I do like special teams I don't want to see that part of the game go away it has to be modified instead of them just taking things away from it every week. Yeah. Like it just can't. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. happening yeah absolutely and obviously they admitted this is for player safety this is on a one-year trial so i'm interested to see how it goes and they might say like this is garbage let's scrap this and go back and and you do feel for those players who make the the bottom of the roster guys who are trying to carve out and show what they can do those guys will never see the field if if you get rid of a lot of these type of plays or or never have any meaningful impact because right. there's just going to be a fair catch every time. Yeah. Now, I, one thing I will say, Shane, is this probably actually does benefit the Steelers. They haven't had good return men hardly ever. And so no, they're, yeah. they're not one of those teams that's, that's going to that's gonna carve you up typically uh, on special teams and returnability. Uh, so it probably does favor them. I'm just not a big fan of the rule in general. Just yeah. the, If this is really what you want to do and you're that concerned about player safety, every team start at the 20 or yeah. 20 or 25 yard line Whatever and is, just yeah. go from there and say, let's, Let's try it, and we're just going to remove it all together. So I'm interested to see how it works. Not a big fan of the rule. I don't think a lot of people are. I bet you if we're to take a poll right now, uh, there's probably a lot that are kind of opposed to it because it takes that element out of football. But again, it's for player safety. We'll see how this turns out. All right. Uh, if you guys are here with us live, please drop any questions you might have in the chat for us. We would love to get you to your questions today. Uh, let's talk about the biggest notes from Steelers OTA so far. We're only... Uh, two days in, and we're, I'm just catching up on day two's notes because obviously that practice was going on today before the show. Yeah. Uh, so what we know about from yesterday, Shane, uh, some pretty interesting things here. We're going to touch on each of them a little bit and share our thoughts. Let's kick things right off here uh, with Alex Highsmith was there and present to open OTAs yesterday, the first wave of OTAs that runs from uh, yesterday until tomorrow. Highsmith was there, and there were a lot of questions as to whether or not he would be because, obviously, Alex Highsmith is entering a contract year. We're going to talk a lot in specifics about his contract and make some of our contract predictions here uh, later on in the show. But Highsmith is entering a contract year, and so you wonder about this. It, it, it's 
I don't think anybody would blame him if he decided not to show up. You are, you are a third round pick who has grossly outplayed your contract so far. Um, and, and yet he's coming to work. He has the Cam Hayward mentality. Like I'm going to be there. I'm going to work. I'm going to show them why I deserve this contract at the expense of potentially risking like a non-contact injury or something that way. Yeah. And I think a part of this, like I always say, like I'm always for players using whatever leverage they have to get the deal that they want. Right. And that's, that's why like yeah. when TJ kind of sat out for a while before he got his big deal. When other players do that, I'm never going to sit there and say, Oh, you know, I can't believe they're doing that. But I think mm-hmm. that this does signal that one of two things, either Highsmith just doesn't really feel that way. Think about it that way. He wants to be there get better, which is a great mentality to have in general, but I also understand when they don't, or as we'll get talking about later, there is talks happening that he's happy with where they're at, right? Where yeah. the Steelers and him are talking about it. You know, they're they're going in the right direction, and he doesn't feel the need to try to force anything or, or mm-hmm. hold any leverage because he just might like where that direction is going, or he just might really want to be here, which is great if that's the case. So that's kind of my take yeah. on it. I hope that that is what's happening, but just always nice to have as many mm-hmm. people at OTAs as you can. So. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a little bit too, but I, I kind of get the feeling that that's where they're at as well, Shane, because mm-hmm. uh, of a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, Khan, in, in some of his first order of duty, wasted no time in getting Minka's deal done. Like he wanted yes. that thing done but out of the way. Over, yeah, Didn't want to run into yeah. the TJ Watt situation. Uh, <laughs> and so I think that it, it's very possible, and the rumors suggest right now that the, the two sides are in negotiation with each other. Um, they could be close on language right now. And Highsmith's like, all right, this thing's going to get done soon. I'm just going to show up. Uh, or he just has that, that mentality from being that former zero star recruit mm-hmm. walk on player. Who's like, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to work hard every day. And that's how I'm going to, sh- I'm going to prove myself. So right. either way he's there, he's working. Uh, and again, a biggest thing we hope for all of us during OTA is everybody needs to stay healthy. We yeah, don't want to see anybody go down with to, a, yeah, a non-contact season, injury so. or something. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Calvin Austin going through drills. This is a player that many were asking about. And we actually had, I think it was a question either on last week's show or the week before about how he's doing the progress on Calvin Austin. Well, it looks like now we know he is out there. He's not restricted. Um, This is a guy who underwent surgery, landed on IR, missed his entire rookie season, which is never a good sign for a rookie uh, fourth round pick who you want to see out there uh, and performing and getting kind of his first reps uh, during that rookie season. Now he's kind of a year behind the learning curve, uh, missed all of training camp in preseason last year. So now he's kind of playing catch up here, but it's good to see him out there running drills. He looks quick. Uh, I'm excited for a guy that has that top end speed on their offense. Yeah. I'm really curious to see like in preseason and training camp practices, like what does he do? Like what things are they asking yeah. him to do? Because you know, it's it's weird with him because going back to his tape, whenever he was in Memphis, he really he excelled on the outside multiple times. Like he mm-hmm. was able to, yeah. to st- you know beat press coverage because he's just too quick. Do all stuff like I could see him kind of having a multiple role on this offense. A lot of gadget stuff, probably just because why not with a guy with his skill set. You know, he can play in the slot. I think that's ultimately on offense his best spot when he's just playing true receiver. But I mean, if you get a good matchup and you know on a corner, maybe a guy who isn't very good at press or isn't going to come up and man up with him, like if you put him on the side, he can he can threaten deep. Like this is a guy that can do a lot of things that a lot of you know guys his size usually can't do. So I'm yeah. just really looking forward to hopefully seeing a full offseason for him, see what he looks like, see what they ask him to do in training camp and then in preseason as well. Yeah, and I mean, this is a guy that he was 
uber productive yes. at Memphis. And Very he had a, a terrific so. game against Sauce Gardner, who is did. might be yeah. the best cornerback in the NFL already. Yeah, I don't know, he's, on, he's, he's up there. <laughs> he, he was he was fantastic as a rookie. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it, he showed at least in college he could play on the outside. Now, again, you are talking about a five foot seven and seven eighths receiver. That is tiny. I yes. think he's going to be pigeonholed yes. to the slot a in lot the of NFL. Time, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it'll be interesting to see where his alignments come. I have a feeling Shane, what's going to happen is the Steelers are going to have uh certain 11 personnel packages, some for Allen Robinson, yep. some for Calvin Austin, uh, depending on their skill sets in, in their route combinations. Um, very interested to see how he falls in line there though. And, and, and my hope Shane is that he's just too dynamic and explosive of a to player from the, the, field, of yeah. the slot that you, yeah, you don't keep him out of the field. If, if Robinson is just a reserve player for you, I'm perfectly fine with that with, yeah. the, with the guaranteed money and all, that, because yeah. it means that, that Calvin Austin turned out. Yeah. So very interested to see his progress. At least we know that he's out there and he's healthy right now. Uh, next up on the list here, Shane, from my notes is Dan, uh, Dan Moore jr. Was starting over Broderick Jones. Now this don't, I mean, don't flip out here. This is very, very routine yeah. from the Steelers. They are a team that is very much about seniority and they they'll say, more you were our starter last year you are a starter until proven otherwise and it didn't matter if they traded up in the first round to get broderick jones that job is going to be his soon enough it probably from the start of the season if i had to make my prediction but they don't do the the business backwards where they're going to say i'm going to let the young guy come in from day one you still have to prove yourself you have to show that you're working on your mechanics and that you're ready to go in that position now at the same time shane i think this is kind of going to give Dan Moore a boost too, and say like, I'm, if every rep that I have knowing that, that I got Broderick on my heels, I'm going to play like it's my last. And so I'm interested to see if he would take another step up in year three. This is a guy, it was a pretty toolsy guy coming out. I mean, testing wise, Tess is a really good athlete, has the body type for the position. I'm going to be so interested to see what, what's going to come next for the Steelers. We know the job's going to be Broderick's eventually, are they going to give him a shot to compete at right tackle? Is he only going to take the left tackle reps? I would have to imagine at some point they're going to flip and Dan Moore is going to take tackles at left and right tackle at the very least to be the swing tackle, if not to maybe compete with Chooks. So how do you see that playing out here? Yeah. So again, just to reiterate, like any fans who are concerned about that, they shouldn't be. This is not what the Steelers do. They do not just plug rookies in right away unless they're just exactly. clearly better than everyone they have, right? Where there's really no question mm-hmm. about it. Um, so for, for this, obviously, I think at worst, we're going to see more play and be the true starter up through most of training camp. And then Jones eventually might get slotted in if he just beats him out. But again, you're, he, they're going to make him earn that job. Like Jones is going to have to come yeah. in and prove that right now, specifically, he is a better player than more junior. And I think he will ultimately, like you mm-hmm. said, I think he all the talent wins out ultimately and the draft position wins out, but Moore did mention that he has been repping right tackle on his own accord for a reason. I think that is because he knows Jones is coming eventually. It's now how do I stay or give myself a chance to continue to start by maybe being able to compete with a core four, what maybe even if it's not this year, next year, or whenever it may be. So he's taking the right approach. And I really like to see that because this is a guy that knows the guy was a fourth round pick. I've played better than expected technically, but I'm also, you know, getting replaced for a reason probably here soon. I got to take every advantage I can get. So repping at right tackle on his own accord, doing those things, he's doing everything right. And I think that will ultimately help him stick around a lot longer mm-hmm. than he would have ultimately. Yeah. And you're still talking like a 24 year old tackle here yes. who he has to still have get a, better. He, he can, and yeah. he could have a great career in ahead of him. Remember, even if he's just a swing tackle, like 
Chris Hubbard broke the bank for the Browns when, yeah. he, when he left the Steelers. So you, get paid you can still, okay. yes, it, sw swing tackles get paid well. Yeah. And so he's got these, these final two years of his rookie deal still to prove himself. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be ready. Even, even if that comes as a swing tackle, Shane, he's going to be opportunity ready for the opportunity. If yeah. Roderick or, or a core four were to go down, he, he needs to be able to step in and say, and, and basically I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a loss. And I'm trying to say he, he needs to audition essentially for right. other teams because yeah, he's he going to be a guy that could potentially make a big contract. Kind of like what a quarter for a second contract was where yeah. he was a fringe starting player and yet he still got paid. And so tackle good tackles get paid. Uh, he certainly has the traits and I don't think he's reached his peak yet. Just going no, into year he three. Has, I, he has, he has more room. stuff. He has room to grow, and I think ultimately he, there's a chance that some point this year, if Corfor doesn't play or going into training camp next year, mm -hmm. he might have a shot at playing right tackle for us as a starter. And you could see Jones and him as a really young, hopefully very good tackle duo. So you never know. He's he's definitely yeah, and, taking the right approach, though. And and that's certainly possible as well, Shane, because the Steelers could get out of a Corfor's contract. Yeah. next year save money and then you can say all right dan moore you're our right tackle now so they could go that route as well if they like the progress that he's made there and if they think that competition is close enough uh so that's that's an interesting thought as well uh staying with the offensive line here uh kendrick green was running as the backup center in the first day of otas now if you recall green was a center as a rookie he played guard uh in college but he made that transition to center and now uh, uh, made the transition to center played guard in his second season when she looked terrible last year i was i was on hand for several days down at training camp and he just did not hold up well there he had a horrible preseason now it looks like the steelers are open to the idea of moving him back to center at least during otas uh, and it makes sense because of how deep their guards are right now you've got isaac siamolo uh, james daniels kevin dotson nate herbig and so obviously as a guard kendrick green is going to be buried there and a guy that's doesn't even project to make the roster as a center you now have a chance jc hassenauer signed with the giants during free agency there's no real competition right now behind mason cole and so it looks like the steelers might give green a chance to to kind of revert back to that position he played as a rookie and say show us what more you can do. It needs to be better, but show us what more you can do to stick around at this position. Yeah. I think that this is the only chance he has, right. Is in the, NFL, yeah, I agree. is that center? I think is, even though he wasn't good as a rookie, he was still better than he was as a guard, right. Mm -hmm. Just looking at it. So clearly this is his best chance to make the roster or just really stay around the NFL in general is to play center and show you can do it at least a backup level. And really yeah. outside, like you said, Mason Cole is the only true like center on the roster. Daniels has played center and obviously he could be. And I think right now, if Mason Cole were to go down, it would definitely be Daniels moving into center probably and letting mm. one of the backup guards come in for Daniels spot. But having a true backup at center that doesn't have to move out of his position is still great to have. So I think if if Green can show that he's at least capable of holding up at center and if he can beat out uh, Spencer Anderson that they drafted, who I think is the only guy who really could compete at a backup center right now on the roster truly, then yeah, he has a shot. But I, again, I, we've seen enough of him at this point where I'm not going to bank on it happening, but I'm glad they're at least moving him to a position where he has a fighting chance to stick around. Yeah, and and again, it goes back to your former draft status is uh, oftentimes tied to your opportunity. And so yes, being that yeah. third-round pick, I think that he might stand a little better chance uh, even after being buried, and he didn't even see action last year yeah, at all. Like, he was, all. He was yeah. just completely uh, – didn't even see the field. So 
uh, he's hoping to kind of reclaim some of that status maybe again and say, yeah, I can, the, the competition is very thin behind, uh, Mason Cole right now. And so it's possible that if this were the choice that he can make the roster, if he stayed at guard, no chance at all, because no. you're, you're talking about keeping a fifth guard around. I mean, that's not, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, so, you don't do that, unless yeah. for some reason they, they cut Dotson for personality reasons or whatever, or whatever it is. The, yeah. Yeah. That would be the only way, but as, as an actual player, he's not going to make the team as a guard. And so uh, interested to see what happens there at the very least, but, but this is something I've been banging the table for. And I know that a lot of people in Steelers media fans, they felt the opposite way. They're like, oh, this guy's a natural guard. You need to move him back to guard. That's where he played in college. I'm like, he's not going to work there. I mean, you can see he already struggled to anchor and with power at center. You're only going to get more one-on-one -on -one matchups as a guard. And his his percentiles go down to almost nothing when you put him yeah, at they, six foot yeah. one and seven eights, yeah, a 77 inch wingspan. And, and so this guy is tiny as a guard. He has to be, he's a center only guy. And I, I, I kind of figured that when they drafted him based on his size, he needs to make it work there as, as a reserve center, or he's not going to work for anybody on any team. So yeah. that's basically where we are with green at this point, entering year three, uh, Darnell Washington. It, this is probably the, the guy that's drawing the most buzz on Twitter right yeah. now, just with, yeah. just with video clips and stuff. And again, there's nobody covering him. This is OTAs. These guys were in shorts. So I'm not, I'm not going to go crazy here, but the guy definitely does look the part. I mean, this is a big tight end. I've seen some shots of him next to Broderick Jones already. These two pairing with each other. I'm like, this guy is like comparably large to, to Broderick, the left tackle. And so uh, people are definitely getting excited for, for what he might offer in his rookie year. Yeah. The thing with Darnell Washington is like, regardless, like if you didn't know how good he was or wasn't, you just look at him and you're like, that guy looks like a freak compared to everybody else. Like even on a oh, yeah. field full of NFL players, he just looks different than everybody else. And obviously that means very little ultimately at the end of the day, if you're just going off of that, but combined mm -hmm. with what we know he can do as a blocker and again, receiving skills need refined. And I think that he's never going to be that true route runner type, but yeah. he looks good enough out there. Like I really think he looks good out there moving around, moving fluidly. And if he can, again, this year, all I'm expecting from him is to do what he already knows he can do well and what we already know he can do well mm -hmm. and just come in and be a bulldozer and the run game when we need you to, again, even a little bit of pass protection probably on certain plays. We'd love to see that. Maybe put him next to Jones again, help him out. Uh, but again, it, he looks the part for sure. Like you said, that's probably the best thing you can say for sure about it. And I'm just curious to see kind of how they're going to use him in year one, how much run he actually gets. Yeah. I don't think there's any question, Shane, that he's going to be used primarily as a blocker. I yes. think we all know that, at least from the gate. Uh, watching him run routes, like here's the here's the only issue that I have is like you watch Pat Fryer mode. That guy is smooth. It's, it's it, different. And then you watch it's different back and it yes, it really, really is. And so, and then you watch Washington run, you can definitely see a little bit more of the hip tightness. Uh, and, and route running can be improved. It's just it your hip fluidity and your agility and that kind of stuff. That kind of is what it is, I think. Now he tests it prominently, part. obviously, but I don't think like he moves laterally as well as the testing numbers would. Indicate. No, generally it's not. Insane no. shuttle time. Like it's <laughs> it's doesn't you don't see that on field. Like he's not Odell Beckham as a mover no, on the football no. field. So I, uh, it's worth noting. But again. This guy isn't going to win with his quick twitch anyway. He's going to box people out. He's going to win down the seam. Uh, he's going to win in traffic. And so still excited for what he offers there, even if he never becomes a great route runner. But definitely uh, people are riding that hype train pretty hard already with him. And and he's a, he's a fun guy to watch. And so uh, we'll keep tabs on him as we go. And it doesn't look like the knee swelling that is bothering him at all. He's out there. 
Uh, no reports of, of, of anything so far as in terms of how that goes. And maybe all of the injury concerns were more about longevity rather than yeah. what who we, current uh, issues, uh, the, yeah. the, yes, the current issues. And this was a guy that, again, he played in all 15 games for Georgia last year. So that really wasn't the issue. I just, he was flagged for his knees. And so we'll see how those hold up and, and might not give him any problem at all. We'll find out. Uh, Shane, if there's something that you want to watch for, uh, today, tomorrow, so we re we re rehash today's practice, look at tomorrow and then these next two sessions. And so again, if you, you remember how OTAs works, there's, there's going to be a little bit of a break. The Steelers mm -hmm. will pick it up again. There'll be a little break. Steelers will pick it up again yeah. and that'll be it for OTAs. And so we don't learn a whole lot. Uh, but over these next several sessions, the Steelers are going to have, what are you looking for and what type of things do you want to see? I do want to see how they use the offensive line, how they move those guys around and where they play. Yeah. Right. Because I think ultimately, even though we kind of know at this point who is probably going to end up starting ultimately, I want to see like, does Green continue to only rep at center? And that shows, okay, he is vying for just that spot. Does Dotson get much run if this is how, his, how he feels mm -hmm. about the situation? Are we going to start to see him get phased out? Or, you know, maybe he's going to get moved around to the other guard spot as a back, like whatever it may be. And like, how many reps does Jones get? Versus more like, how is that? Do they give any jo Jones any like, you know, first team? reps if you want to call it that in OTAs like just how mm. that kind of shakes out because there's so many quality players now on that line honestly that I'm excited about it but also it does make you question like okay who's going to actually be the backup here who's going to do what where are they going to play and and once that all sorts yeah. out I think we're going to have a great chance of having a really good offensive line again this year so yeah I I think that I think that's the case as well Shane I think one of the biggest things that we look for in OTAs every year is the pecking order yes, at position like literally where yeah, do exactly. these guys how do they run through drills because it does matter a little bit in terms of how the Steelers are currently viewing them uh yeah. the starting like with the starter and the yeah. backup then so on and so forth uh one of those in particular I'm interested to see the cornerback position I yes. haven't really seen come across the the cornerback videos right now mm -hmm. uh, but I'm going to dig into that a little bit and see if I can figure something out there but I'm interested to see because they had a lot of shakeup at the cornerback position it this did. year obviously I would assume that that Peterson's going to be the first in line even though he's fresh on the team he's that guy I mean he's that, he's that future presence, hall of fame yeah. level player that the Steelers have even just on this uh it, it, at this stage in his career um and then after him it's like Levi Wallace, Joey Porter, Corey Trice. Where do these guys slot in? How do the Steelers view him at the moment? And how are they going to view him? Is it going to change at all by the end of OTAs? Are we going to have to wait until the middle of training camp before we see a change in the pecking order? Just very interested in how the whole cornerback situation in general is going to play out. Because again, I think that they're a team of, you got a pair of guys, uh, young guys with upside and in, in, in terrific size and length in, in Porter and Trice. Um, where do they slot by the end of preseason and training camp? I think is going to be what's most interesting uh, when it comes to the cornerback battle there. And at the same time, Shane wide receiver. I mean, this is suddenly a very deep group of wide receivers. You get Calvin Austin back from IR on Anthony Miller. You, you brought in Hakeem Butler. You signed him to a contract through the summer at least. And so uh, how are these guys going to shake up? Uh, what order are they going to go in? And then, I mean, we're only, we can only so, know so much at OTAs, but once we get into uh, the preseason training camp to see how these guys fall in line in terms of starters, backups, third string. I mean, there's a lot of guys there. I'm interested to see what kind of role they play. Uh, but for now, kind of just judging the pecking orders. If you, if you get a chance to go on Twitter and watch any of their videos, just take notes of, 
who is first in line, second in line, third in line, because that kind of gives you just a general sense of how the Steelers coaching staff are viewing uh, these players at certain positions at this point in time. All right. If you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the Still Curtain podcast, please consider subscribing to the Still Curtain podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support. And again, if you are joining us live, please drop your questions for us. We would love to be able to get to those. And as you are doing that, Shane and I are going to talk about Alex Highsmith and his contract extension looming. It's not, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, could happen soon. And, and like we said, Shane, anywhere, I think these last two years have kind of given us a sample of what to look for. Minka's happened very early on, has happened over a month uh, ahead of training camp. And Watts didn't happen until like the season was about to kick off and Watt yeah. marches in the facility like, I'm signing this thing. Right. I'm not waiting any longer. Uh, his agent wanted him to hold out that whole summer to avoid injury. And I get it. He was, he was coming off MVP season. So uh, Highsmith here. Now we got a guy that it it looks a little bit different. It's not going to be as easy in some ways to iron out the details because you have to decide where this guy falls in line compared to other contracts in the NFL for Watt and Minka. I think it was relatively easy. Shane, it's like Watt was the best at his position at the time, the most productive, He's going to get paid the most. Minka was the most productive at his position with the accolades. He's going to get paid the most in terms of what safety is doing. Since then, he's been leapfrogged, and that'll happen as uh, contracts values go up yeah. and the salary cap raises every year. But Highsmith's a little bit trickier because it's like, all right, do you judge this guy solely off of production? And if so, that's going to be a very pricey contract, and that's what his agent's going to argue where do you think this contract number is going to come in, Shane? What's that going to look like? I can tell you right now, the figure that SpotRack has uh, right now is an average annual earnings of $13.9 million per season. Uh, they don't show the guaranteed money there, which again is going to be really important. Uh, but they compare him to players like Matt Judon, uh, Josh Sweat. So do you think 13.9, do you think that that would get it done, Shane? Or is it going to have to be more than that, uh, north of that for the Steelers? So it, it's tough. And I, th- I always say, and you kind of touched on it, the, the easiest deals to do for both a player and a team are the top of the market deals and the bottom of the market deals, right? Because yeah. if you're a player that doesn't have a good standing in the NFL and you're just trying to make sure you stay in or you're trying to establish yourself, a below market or low market deal mm-hmm. is pretty easy to come to. It's usually a one-year prove-a-deal type thing. If you're a top market, you look at what the top of the market is, or like, I want more than that. It's, it's pretty much that simple, right? Yeah. A lot of the time, at least in terms of what to expect from it, right? But these mid-market, like these tier two deals of, of pass rushers, especially that aren't number ones on their own team, but maybe someone else could view them as number one if they were to go to free agency, it gets really dicey because you look at Heisman's production, like you said, and he produced like a lot of the top edge rushers in the NFL actually did from a just purely production standpoint. Mm-hmm. But his on-field play and his style and what he does and what his skills are I think I'd view him as firmly like a very, very good number two pass rusher. He would not be a guy sure. that I would yeah, pay as my number one like true captain of my defense type of player. And that's no slight to him. That's really mm-hmm. good to be a, a t- like a top of the tier two type of oh, yeah. rusher for a third round pick, right? So for me, my guess is because the Steelers definitely – I know they want to keep him. They want to keep that duo together. Their edge depth is already, as we know, not very good. So losing him mm-hmm. and have to replace him next year would be not ideal. Um, you know, they could, of course, play with franchise tagging him, but that, that figure is gigantic for Edge, so that'd be very difficult. Um, I think ultimately it's going to come 
in around about 15, 16 million a year over probably four years is my guess, like a four year, 60 ish million dollar contract with, I'd guess about 60 ish percent of that guaranteed is what my, my guess right now. That's probably a pretty good guess, Shane. And, and this is what I, I feel like fans need to understand that your raw production does not equate to the player that you are. I'm not yes. going to take anything away from Highsmith. I think that no. he has done a phenomenal job and in terms of third round picks go as good as you can possibly ask for. Pretty much. For yeah. round pick. <laughs> Sorry to get it's better, just yeah. that when you're looking at him and saying this guy deserves to be paid like a 14 and a half sack five, four stumble player, which is the raw numbers that he produced. There's a lot more that goes into it than that, Shane, there's yeah. pressure rate and, and what he was, the, the lack of what he was able to do when Watt was not on yes. the field. Yeah. I mean, most of his production, 80% of his production came when Watt was there in the second half of the season and in week one, when Watt was there uh, before he got injured. It, it does worry me a little bit that he's he's just always going to be that that firm number two guy and that then the question becomes, how much do you pay this guy who is a little bit reliant on Watt to help him out uh, to take some pressure off of him on his side so that he can be very productive uh, in that overhang role there. And so what do they do with that? And, and again, I agree with you. The Steelers are going to get it done. They're not going to want to lose him. It just becomes a question of how much do you pay him? If that figure is accurate, Shane, 13.9 million, that would make him tied for the 17th highest paid edge defender in the NFL uh, at that figure. I don't think that that's going to be okay with his agent being 17th. Be like, look at this. What's what's with this? I'm coming off of 14, 14 and a half season. My client's coming off a of 14 and a half sack season. He needs to be paid as such. And so unfortunately your pay does often align with the production that you're able to do, regardless of what the film says. If the film yeah. screams that Alex Highsmith is a number is a high end number two edge rusher, instead of that pure go-to number one, number one guy, just going to dominate you no matter what. Uh, it, a lot of it does come down to production, unfortunately. And so this contract is going to be big. It's it, I, I think it's going to be North of this Shane. I think it's going to be, maybe closer to the 16 range. And I'll be interested yeah. to see where that comes in. And again, that, that to me, it's a little bit high, but I, it kind of goes back to what choice do you really have here? It's like, That's you let problem. him walk and, and yeah. say, I'm content with taking a compensatory third or fourth round pick depending on, and again, what Steelers do in free agency will cancel out some of that money. Uh, so if, if the Steelers go out and spend big on somebody else in free agency, they, they might cancel out that third round comp pick that they otherwise would have gotten. And even if you get the third round comp, He's worth a lot more than that. And so it's yeah. like, what choice do you have? You have to pay the guy and you have no depth of the position. He's he's a young, productive player at a premium position. And so I understand the thought process completely. I think that he does need to be paid because you just really don't have a lot of options here. It's just, I would prefer to get him a little bit cheaper than what the Steelers will probably end up getting him for uh, if I had to guess right now. And that brings me to my next question here, Shane, is when do you think uh, something can get done? Uh, real quick, I just wanted to. There's a chat we have. Oh yeah, go throw uh, it up. So uh, okay, when y'all gonna talk about the kicker and punter issue we have with Harvin and Boswell? So Boswell, I will give him a pass for last year. I think that's probably yeah. what I was thinking about. He admittedly, we had made some questionable. I should say, Mike, Mike, unfortunately, Tomlin had some questionable decisions when it comes to kicking the football. So I will give Boswell a little bit of a, a pass there, and we know he's been great most of the time. Um, Harvin, there's a reason why a man is in as a as yeah. a. Uh, competition with him i think that one of those two will hopefully be a, a good punter mm -hmm. this year but yeah if you want to know about kicker and punter stuff we will talk about that i'm sure as we see more stuff but yeah boswell i'm confident will be able to bounce back 
Harvin, you just hope something clicks with him. So, yeah, there's no real race there. There's no real competition for Boswell's job, but there is for Harvin's. And you got Braden yeah. Mann in there. I think that one truly is a whoever looks best in, in training camp could could win that job outright. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, but I, I, I would expect a bounce back season. We've seen it in the past. I mean, we've yeah. seen Boswell kick like 65% and yeah. then come back with just like a phenomenal back to back mm-hmm. years. And so I'm not too worried. At some point, Shane, it gets inside kicker's head. It's, and it I don't does. know what it is, but you can hit that wall where it's like, you're just not good anymore. And I hope that that doesn't happen anytime soon yeah. with Boswell. Some That's of these it. kickers last forever. Uh, you get like yeah, yeah. those, yeah, those Robbie Golds and th- those guys that, that can just kick forever. And other guys like the the Mike Vanderjacks and the, the uh, who was Dallas's kicker they had here a little bit oh, ago. Um, drawing a blank right now. Dane. Yeah, I can't think. Dane. I can't think it, th- these guys that are k- kicking and, and converting at like a historic rate. And then all yeah, of a sudden they like fall off a cliff and they don't ever get it back. So yeah. that happened to Boswell once and, and he recovered from it. I would think that he can do it again. Yeah. And so this it is a big year for him, but I do think that uh, that Boswell about bounce back. But the punter competition that's wide open. Uh, going back to Highsmith here, Shane, when do you think that the deal can get done like this, knowing that this is a guy that is not right on the top, right on the bottom, and so the contract language is a little bit more difficult. The guaranteed money becomes a little bit more difficult because Steelers don't like to give those guarantees out past year one. Uh, do you think that they would be willing to do something like that with Highsmith? I don't think that they're going to break trend with Highsmith. I mean, they they did that for TJ Watt because he was an exceptional player and then the star of their team. Uh, but when do you think something is ultimately going to get done? I do think it's going to be before training camp officially kicks off, if I had to guess. I think as much as it probably wasn't the only reason Khan did this, but I think part of why the Trubisky deal happened and why they, they extended him out is not just because they view him as a long-term backup and he wants to be there, but because it does free up cap space. It allows them to put some of that money you know, into Highsmith's deal and, and move that money around and make it more affordable down the stretch of his deal. So I think mm-hmm. it's going to be soon, and I think it's just going to come down to, like you said, the guaranteed money aspect. How much is it going to be? How much are they willing to put in? I think that with Khan, we might start to see with him now in full range of things. I think that he might be more willing with the way the NFL is trending to maybe not like any nothing fully guaranteed or anything like that, but maybe the yeah. first two years of a deal, maybe opposed to just the first, might become a more normal thing for them to do. And I think with Highsmith, if you do that, you if you do get guarantees in the first two years, those last you know three and four years, if you do a four year deal, which is what I still expect it to be if they get it done would become much more manageable if they need to either move on from him or move money around or anything else. And especially with Kenny on his rookie contract, and if they they want to maximize that window, having a lot of that money in those first two years would allow them to not have to worry as much about the cap. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible, Shane. I, I kind of envision the deal being a little bit shorter, honestly, just because – from his agent's perspective, it might be one of those situations where it's like, all right, you're entering what age 27 season. Let's get you like a two year extension. And then we'll get you one more bite of the apple here. One more big contract. Uh, it, when the cap goes up again, you can make more per season, more guaranteed money. So I kind of think that I, I, if I had to guess, maybe split the difference, maybe it's a three year. Maybe. I was kind of leaning yeah. two or three the whole time. It just seems like, teams aren't as willing to give out like the four five year contracts anymore. And they, in the past teams did this all the time. I mean, I remember like yeah. Tyron Smith of Dallas, you got a 10 year contract. Like th- yeah. that's kind of unheard of, but well, the Steelers, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, even like you think back to like Paul Amalu and those type of players, 
the Steelers would hand out five and six year deals. It just seems like they're getting more towards, uh, and it might be an agent thing as well and saying, let's hit the market again. Let's give them a two or three year contract. Uh, I'm okay with the four year deal, I think. Uh, and obviously, uh, the the way that the contracts are always structured is by the end of those contracts, you can get out if you need, and you can save most of that money in the final year or two. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if the, maybe the Steelers offer a bigger signing bonus uh, to, to try to get some of the like the actual cap number down for them. And again, it, just knowing how how Con and and Kevin Colbert have done business over the past two decades, really in terms of their contracts go, they're going to want to lower that cap hit immediately and, and push some of that money back. And so if they need to, they can restructure later on, but they want to give themselves as much flexibility early on. And so that is somewhat how I would project uh, Highsmith's contract to look. Uh, if you're just asking me to spitball right here, I would say Shane, I would say probably in the 16 ish range, uh, two to three year deal. Um, and, and I think that is, uh, that that's going to be high. I know it's, it's, it's not what I would prefer. I, I really hope it does come in, in the, in the 13, 14 range. Uh, but I really think that it's probably ultimately going to be that because again, you're coming off of a, a really, really productive season and Highsmith's agent can even use that as leverage saying, Hey, look, TJ Watt was out half the year. Highsmith put up 14 and a half sacks, five force fumbles. I mean, if you want to get really in depth, his sack score was the second best in the NFL, had a lot of high quality yes, sacks yeah. mixed in there as well, which is important, I think, as well. Uh, the one thing that does concern me a little bit, like I alluded to already with Highsmith, is the pressure isn't consistent enough yet. I think he needs to be more consistent play to play and game to game. But the overall production was fantastic. And it's hard to argue against that uh, when you're trying to negotiate with an agent. So I do think it comes north of the 13.9 number. Uh, maybe not quite to six, 16, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was all the way up there as well. Uh, and just looking real quick, Shane, I do want to throw out some of the players uh, in that range. And I've got it pulled up on over the cap right now. Carl Lawson, 15 million a year. Hassan Reddick, 15. What a steal that was. Yeah. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, 15. Uh, Daniil Hunter, 14 and a half. Uh, uh, Chandler Jones is at 17 million, even yeah, in his old, uh, old age. that one a little bit, I think. They, right they sure are. Shaquille Barrett, 17. Mm -hmm. uh, Harold Landry, 17 and a half. Cam Jordan, kind of a big base end, but 17 and a half. Um, and then it jumps up to Von Miller at 20. I mean, he's not going to get that level, obviously, but you look at some of those names there, you, you can see why his agent can make a case and say, Hey, look, this is what these guys are getting. Highsmith outproduced those guys. And so we want that money. And so I, I think they probably meet somewhere in the middle. Maybe they start lower and they meet somewhere in the middle. Um, I, the, the smaller, the better. Obviously, if you're looking at it from the fan side of things, you want to save as much money as possible towards the cap. You obviously want one Highsmith and you feel happy for Highsmith. This guy who was a former walk on at Charlotte now making some, some guru bucks here. And that's going to be awesome for him. Uh, but I'm interested to see how this comes in and, and it might be sooner rather than later, Shane, if, if, uh, if Omar Khan has his way in and this guy, this guy likes to get stuff done. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise the, me at all. Uh, don't call him the Connors for nothing. Right. That, that is for sure. Uh, I made my, uh, projection for the contract. Now let's kind of project his season. If we could Shane in 2023, obviously this is speculation. We don't know. Uh, exactly how it's going to go. Oh, great show. Thanks. Thanks for that. That's, that's, we really appreciate that. So yeah, thanks absolutely. for the comment. Yeah. Uh, 
it, let's project his season here for a minute, Shane. Can he repeat this? I mean, is this project production sustainable? Uh, what are you going to look for from Highsmith this year? Let's assume that Watt stays relatively healthy, at least closer to like what he did in 2021. Uh do you think that this is repeatable at all from him? Or do you think it's kind of a fluky thing? Like you'll never hit that total again. Maybe you'll get to 10 sacks. How do you feel? And not just in terms of production, Shane, but actually just the film and the impact on the game. How do you feel that uh, Highsmith is going to be for the Steelers in 2023? So I think like you mentioned, if TJ Watts mostly healthy this year, I think that you're going to see a very similar season that you saw last year. Cause again, a lot of his sacks and his pressures, they were not these fluky, like, plays that you see guys clean up sacks all the time like yeah. he won cleanly a lot last year really did and i think his skill set when he gets those one-on-ones he's very difficult to handle between his spin move which is just nasty when he pulls it off oh, yeah he's got good speed to the edge his power has gotten better at least from, compared to his rookie season he's gotten added that to his game enough where it's not a liability necessarily at all He's a guy that I, when he, when he's the number two opposite of a guy like TJ Watt, this is a guy who I think can consistently get into that that double digit sack range. And you hope his pressure numbers come up a little bit. That's really the last step he has to take if he wants to be firmly like one of the better edge twos in the league consistently. Mm. But even if he just gets those quality wins, because you really need that out of the guys that get one on ones, if they can win consistently in the situations and clean up or just get to the quarterback quickly. That's huge for just, again, the, when the defense can play off of their edge duo, right? When TJ is up to par and he's playing well, when Alex is playing well, that defense gets disgusting because it's just so hard to throw on them whenever you're getting pressure because Minka's back there. You have to worry about him. You know, I yeah. can't just throw this ball up because Minka's going to go get it. Like You can't do that as an offense, right? So if that works out, like I said, if TJ is healthy, expect similar numbers maybe not the force fumbles that can be a little bit fluky but unless you're like mm -hmm. you know charles Tillman or somebody like that but really you need to uh expect similar production if you if he wants to get paid the way he's going to be paid so you should expect that from him yeah and in I have no questions about his character, work ethic, anything nah. obviously that way at all. So when this yeah. guy gets paid, you're not going to have to worry about him uh, no, popping on the so. brakes there. And he's, he's going to go all out. He's going to, he's going to try his best for the team uh, in terms of sack production. No, I don't think it's going to be the same as it was last year, but I, I think he could, rough, but I think he could be a, a better player, Shane, but not be as productive. I think that's, that's very incredibly possible. possible. I mean, you're entering, the prime of your career right now, like these next three years is probably going to be the prime of Highsmith's career. And so I think that, I think that he can be a really, really solid player for the Steelers and and yet not be as productive as he was last year. Uh, just be more consistent as a pass rusher. And like you said, man, the, the human cyclone, like that, that, that needs to be his nickname. Like that spin his, move is nasty. Move it might be the best <laughs> in the league at his position, honestly. So it's just spin move wise. So, it's, it's, it has to be up there, right? Like, you know, it, it's pretty head, wicked. Like it, anybody, for, for him to not like lose any speed off of that and still be able to get those high quality sacks yeah. on those. It's I'm impressed by it. So I would expect to see a lot more of that. I'm excited for him uh, and have the pairing together again, because my goodness, when, when those guys are together and we haven't seen it a ton with how banged up Watt has been, they could be a pretty, uh, pretty special duo there. Oh, yeah. uh, we got another comment chiming in 11 to 13 sacks. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Shane, it, let, before we close off here today, 
go ahead and just give me, it's so arbitrary and I really don't care about it that much. We already think that, that Highsmith is going to have a solid season. Where would you set the over under in terms of his sack total, assuming he plays a 17 game season? I think setting anybody who isn't the absolute number one guy on a team any higher than 10 is just kind of being unfair. So I'd probably set it at 10, okay. considering he had 14 and a half last year. And I want touching on what you said before, like production in the NFL matters, but it also matters the context of it, right? Just because mm-hmm. he maybe doesn't hit 14 and a half sacks next year and doesn't have five force fumbles and all that doesn't mean that he isn't going to be as good or better as a player next year. Cause you have to look at it. You know, maybe TJ gets yeah. a ton of sacks again this year because we know he can do that. Maybe, you know, high Smith just gets a lot of you know tackles for loss, makes big plays, but not as many sacks or whatever. Maybe, maybe he gets a lot more pressures. They just don't turn into as many sacks. Like there's a lot of factors that go into that. Mm-hmm. So if he doesn't repeat his production, it's not a guarantee. It's because he didn't get better. It might just be circumstantial. So setting it at 10, though, I think is fair. Cause again, when you're playing opposite TJ, you're going to get opportunities one-on-one mm. with how well he can win in those situations. How often he gets those high quality sacks. I'd be surprised if a 17 game season doesn't result in at least 10. Yeah. My thought all along, Shane was, I, I would set that total at nine and a half. So you obviously you would right. take the over, right? You would take yeah, the 10 case, sacks. Yeah. I would set it at nine and a half just because I think that sack production from year to year, it's just not very repeatable. For most uh, guys, it's, it's not, yeah. It's more it's more sustainable, like pressures from year to year or even yes. TFLs from year to year. Sack, sack production can kind of be hit or miss. Now, that's still great. Like if he hits eight sacks, nine sacks, 10 sacks, anywhere in that range, that's a really solid season. And like I said, I think that it's very possible that he's a better player on film, even if he, if he takes a sizable step back in sack production, if he's got eight and a half sacks, as opposed to the 14 and a half, but he looks better everywhere else next year. That could still, that could still make potentially a bigger impact for the yeah. team. Now, again, the force fumbles, those are all big game changing plays. And so we want to see those happen still. It's just, those are kind of fluky to track year to year, yeah, kind of like interceptions yeah. are like, you can never, yeah, it's, you it's can never know how many picks you're going to get in a year. Uh, I would probably set it at nine and a half. And I would feel like that is probably the mark where I, I'd have a hard time saying, do I bet over, bet under, uh, yeah, let us know tough. what you guys think in the comments and if you have any questions please drop them down in the comment section and shane and i will try to get to those uh after the show thank you for joining us today on the still curtain podcast you can follow shane on twitter at shane kubis you can follow me on twitter at tommy jagai you can download the silk per- curtain podcast wherever you get your podcast also check us out on youtube or ask alexa to play the still curtain podcast thanks yeah, for listening <laughs> to the still curtain podcast When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.